Friday here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar on what is Thursday, January 12th. Hercules Gomez, how are you doing? And what are you wearing over there on the West Coast? I knew you would ask me that. You know, Seb, get lost. A ver. You know that I'm not wearing anything today. <laughs> People don't know this, but here in ESPN Los Angeles, we went through a remodeling phase. So I had a pod, like an actual little office that was mm -hmm. covered, and I had a bunch of clothes and a bunch of jerseys put up. And I come back from vacation, mm -hmm. it's not there. I thought I had something that was ready to wear today. Our producer, Beto, uh, somebody sent him a very nice shirt. Mm -hmm. I won't say who. When I went to go stretch it and pull it on, the whole thing came apart. Oh, fat guy in a little shirt. <laughs> It's okay. Don't date you look, yourself with that, by the way. You look like a substitute science teacher with you that just jacket. You just but dated I, I like yourself it. right now. What are you wearing? Can I give a, a shout for mine? It's in the net. net. Shout out to Dave Johnson, legendary DC United commentator. Shout out to Olive in York. They got some uh, some great gear as I well. Know. We've been spending I a lot know. of time together. A lot of time together. Tuesday, MLS Media Day. How many interviews did we do? Uh, 39, because we, okay. we stole Chicharito. Don't tell MLS that. They weren't supposed to give us Chicharito. We didn't have them. We stole them. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to hear from Chicharito in today's show. We're also going to hear from Christian Roldan in just a little bit, as well as Alyssa Thompson, who just went number one, Herc, in the NWSL draft. My She's going to be playing. My Angel City. This year for Angel City FC. As always, if you like watching the show, you might also like listening to it. So download the Football Americas podcast. But Herc... Let's start the show with some news that will affect both the United States and Mexico. There's reports out of Germany, Sport Build, that the German national team are making plans to spend either the September or October international window in North America. Derek Ray, our colleague, who you know is always great at telling us what the German press is saying, is saying the expectations will be two games, one against the United States in the U.S. and the other against Mexico in Mexico. Now, that's what Sporting Build is saying in the Mexico they're reporting that the game against Mexico will be in the United States. Germany also considering matches against Japan and France for the fall of this year. Herc, is it something, nothing, or everything for the U.S. and Mexico, the chance to play Germany in the fall? It's something, okay? Now, bear with me here. Why is it only something? Well, both national teams are without a head coach. So while it would be everything for two national teams that aren't going to have World Cup qualifying to have quality opposition. And yes, I understand Germany didn't make it out of the group phase for the second World Cup in a row. I understand, but they're still a top 10 European nation. They're one of, of the top footballing nations in the world. I don't care what the results say at the end of the day. That's just who they are. But it's only about, I don't know, six, seven, eight, maybe months out of a World Cup and years Till the next World Cup. If you don't have a head coach in place, it doesn't really matter, Seven. This is the problem here. Maybe Mexico will see this as something foreign to them. But the United States men's national team went 13 months without a head coach. Mm. You can't tell me the players really grew in those 13 months. Sure, they were exposed to a national team setup in a Lord of the Flies type of way. But these players already now have high-level competition at the club level. And they all have a World Cup under their belt. What they need right now is the guidance of whoever, whomever, excuse me, will be that head coach heading into 2026. It's vital that you play these games with that head coach in hand. It's closer to everything than nothing, right? For me. I mean, we've been screaming about something. what are they going to do? There's no World Cup qualifiers. They need quality competition. This is, this is quality competition, and it's A versus A, right? Something. It's yes. A versus A. Let's hope. I like let's that. Hope. Let's hope. Sure, it's September, October. You figure it's a FIFA window, so you should get your best to your best, unlike the January camp games that we're about to see. I think this is great for the United States. It's maybe not perfect, but it's a blueprint. Because if Germany comes over, it can get a good game against the United States and Mexico. I'm sure other teams in Europe who probably have players who wouldn't mind a trip to the United States. It's not a bad place to visit. Might say in the coming years, in the build-up, not just a 24 and 26. Okay, we'll go over there and we'll get a we'll get a couple decent games, not just one. It could be everything if this was, as you say, with an actual manager in place. Although I think there's a decent chance we'll have a manager in place by September, October. Right? It's not March. Can I ask you if you feel that would be the case, Seb, for either team? 
And which team is closer to actually finding one? Closer, I don't know. Closer, I don't know. But I do think it's very realistic that both will have a manager by the summer. By I think the Gold summer? Cup, I think Gold Cup is pretty pressing. I so, think Gold Cup is pretty pressing. I, I go back to the first year of the U.S. men's national team. And let me just go back to the first year, if you will, of, of Tata Martino with the Mexican national team. And, no quiero salpicar certain players, but I'll give you two names. Rodolfo Pizarro. Okay, Shakira. Rodolfo Pizarro. I'm not saying he's a Casio, but Rodolfo Pizarro was with the Mexican national team. And he was a guy that, that played a lot of games mm -hmm. in that first year. Well, the first 13 months, you know who was a player who played a lot of games with that U.S. men's national team? Even captain a lot of those was Will Trapp. So what I'm trying to tell you is I don't think they were lost at the beginning, but if you don't have the head coach in place, this is more for the U.S. men's national team because obviously right. Tata stayed there, but if you don't have that head coach in place, like, does it matter if you play at Germany? Like, just adding more to, to an already congested schedule of a Tyler Adams, uh, of, of a Christian Pulisic, uh, of the Anthony Robinson, of a Serginho Dest, Eunice Musa. It's going to be your best game of 2023. I mean, fine, if you're looking at the fine. schedule, there's nothing in January, And it just puts more actually camp. having a coach then, Seb. And that's why it's something. But if you don't have that coach there, is it really everything? I'm not saying it's nothing. It's right. clearly something. But can it be everything? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think if you look at, at the potential schedule, Nations League, you're not going to get too tough competition right. there. Gold Cup, you're not going to get too tough competition there. So you need, you need something. This is, is at least a pillar that you can put down in the ground. The, the one thing is, and I think the location of this game factors more in for Mexico, right? For the U.S., it's, it's great. You would ultimately like to get some away challenges, right? It's, it's great to have Germany in the United States. It'd be an even better test if you could get Germany in Germany or maybe at a neutral site. That would mirror more something that would be similar to a, a World Cup international competition. Let me make this point on Mexico real quick. Mexico, from a friendly standpoint, ought to start thinking about playing some of its games in Mexico. They, they may play their World Cup qualifiers in Mexico, but it, you, lo you look back over the last few years, more than 90% Herc of Mexico's friendlies are not in Mexico. I know it's for the money. They're usually in the United States. But I think, and remember, when we go back to the beginning of the World Cup, we talked about all the toxicity around the Mexican national team. I think a lot of that has to do with a distancing between the fans and the national team. And I think some of that, not all of it, some of it, a very small piece, has to do with where the games are played. So for Mexico, it's not as right. big a win as the U.S. You're absolutely right, Seb. I can't argue one point you just made. Just really quickly remind me, who left? Some? S-U-M? <laughs> Who left Soccer United US, Marketing? U.S. Soccer uh, Uncoupled. Okay. Yes. Who stayed with Soccer United Marketing? FMF. 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 There you have it. So as we mentioned, Tuesday, Hercules Gomez was MLS Uncoupled. Media Day. And as you mentioned, we did somewhere around almost 40 interviews, 30-some-odd interviews. Yes. One of them, and one of our favorites, was with Christian Roldan, of it course, was. superstar midfielder for the Seattle Sounders, and a member of the U.S. World Cup team. And no surprise, that's what dominated our conversation. So let's listen in to the best of with Christian Roldan. Sounders TV continues ah, here on Football yeah. Americas as Christian Roldan joins the crew here. What do you want from me? Hey, I'm, I'm not, not saying fault. it's a bad thing. It's not my fault you want to talk about DC United and okay. everybody says, who? No, no, no need for the shots there. Uh, Christian, great to have you on the show. Great to have you here in person as well. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure so you to be here. So you just got back from a World Cup. Tell us all about it. What was it like? Yeah, it was a, a great experience. Uh, obviously, having my, my family there was really important for me. You know, all the sacrifices that they've made for me to, to be there and... Uh, I think that's that was the reason why it was really special for me uh, to to see them enjoy the heck out of out of the World Cup. Okay, there's two camps when it comes to rating the U.S. men's national team and their performance in this World Cup. Rate it. Where are you at right now? How would you rate the performance of the U.S. men's national team in Qatar? Yeah, I, f I feel like. Uh we left a little bit out on the table because I felt like we were playing really well, man. We, we had a lot of confidence. I didn't feel like we feared any team. And that's where, you know, where I felt like we, we just left a little bit, a little, little bit out there, especially in that Holland game. Um, and, you know, we, t we talk about like, you know, playing four games in, in what, 10, 10 days or so. It, it takes, it's tough. It, it takes a toll on your body. You think physically you guys ran out of gas? 
Um, you know, it's, it's certainly possible. We put our, our best lineup out every game, but because we had to, because we were in we weren't in a leisure position. Um, and yeah, it, it, that that always makes it tougher. Um, but I felt like, man, the boys put in a shift, and you know, we, we we left it all out there. And I think that's something that we're proud about. So much was said about Gio Reyna and his role at the World Cup. You had a unique perspective on what happened there. What did you see? Yeah, I love Gio, man. Um, you know, I think that all that stuff was dealt with internally, and it's, it's unfortunate that it all came out because I felt like we had moved on from it, and, and we felt that we kind of uh, dealt with it in, in, a, in a great way, especially within the players. Um, and, and now it's, un, it's unfortunate that it's now in the limelight, right? And, and that's all we're talking about because it kind of overshadows what we did at the World Cup. And I felt like we, we had done something special. So, um, you know, I, I, I believe Gio has a really long future with, with U.S. soccer. And, uh, and it's really unfortunate that, that we're talking about, about this. All right, obviously the drama at the World Cup, drama unfolded post-World Cup. Um, very unfortunate drama involving the Reynas, Greg Berhalter, and his family. One of the questions we asked ourselves on Football America, you asked me literally yesterday on Football America's, was if the players would view Gio Reyna differently, if his time on the national team would maybe come with an asterisk. You're part of that World Cup experience. What's your take on that? No, absolutely not. I mean, I think... Gio as a person has a lot of growing to do and you know we all make mistakes um, you know I, I've made mistakes and you know I've, I've yelled at, at some of my coaches and, and players and you know things things like that happen uh, things of that nature happen and of course Gio's a competitor he wants to be playing in games so you know it's a learning curve for him and so for us acknowledging that he you know came out and apologized to our group and you know, and, and we move past it. I think, you know, we're, we're all good. You know, we're, we're, we're humans, we're players, and we, we love him to death. Your career is very interesting, and it's different than a lot of the guys on the national team because a lot of the guys on the national team were actually formed in Europe, right, or somewhere else. You came up through the American youth soccer system. When you see the, the scandal that erupts, which starts with, like, parents kind of taking a, a significant role at like the national team level. I'm sure at the youth soccer ranks you saw plenty of that, but when you see it at the national team level at a World Cup or when you hear about it after the World Cup, what's your reaction to that? Yeah, it's tough to see, obviously, um, because we want to take drama out of the sport that we love, right? I think we talk about the sport, you know, bringing everybody together. And that that's, we talk about it being a beautiful game and so, when, when we see stuff like that, obviously it's, it's, it sucks to see, I think, is, is just plain and simple, it sucks to see, but you know, we, we have to acknowledge that we're all human beings and we all have to you know, learn from these mistakes. Um, and, and I think that's, that's what I take a, out of all of this. Um, you know, we all have to, to, to get better, uh, whether it's on the field or off the field, because we're only gonna go so far if if you know there's there's a lot of conflict within within ourselves within our federation within our our uh our country as well unless you have one more on that a few days ago it was reported that zinedine zidane mm. was a target for the u.s men's national team uh that was rebuffed they said they politely declined at the moment but your initial reaction to hearing that u.s soccer went for zinedine zidane that that's one of the targets yeah, I think uh, Jim said it best the other day. Jim yeah, Jim Curtin, um, you know, he, he talked about uh, leaving every stone unturned, right? Um, not, sorry, not leaving every, every stone unturned. And, uh, and I think that was beautifully said because, you know, whether it's Greg or whether it's someone else, we have to, you know, we can't rush into a decision because we, we have such a unique group of young guys that are going to be playing in their second World Cup in their home country. And it's a special time to be a U.S. soccer fan. And so when we, while we talk about all this drama uh, going on, you know, we got to, whether it's Greg or whether it's someone else, we got to find a great plan going forward because without a plan, 
you know, we're, we're not going to be, uh, you know, we're not going to do extremely well uh, at the World Cup because we have all this talent, but we need a we need a plan to move forward with it. Herc, always great to sit down with your former teammate, Christian Roldan. Yeah. Any big takeaways from the interview? Plenty. Um, I've heard a lot of comments, read a lot of comments from U.S. Men's National Players at MLS Media Day. Certainly nobody expressed themselves in the way that Christian Roldan has expressed himself. And Christian uh, certainly knows the lightning rod he is with the U.S. Men's National Team base and, and what this could cause. Uh, he, he's very well-spoken. Uh, he's one of those uh, team leaders. But the role, the firsthand experience that he witnessed there, and, and to... I guess kind of speak for the group and the maturity of the group. You asked me about Gio Reyna if he'd be accepted. I think this is one of those instances where you could take the player for his word. Um, they all understand how young Gio Reyna is, that he made a mistake, that Gio Reyna owned up to the mistake. But they also understand how unfortunate it is the way that this was leaked, if you want to call it leaked. Um, this was Greg Berhalter thinking this conversation was in private and using Gio Reyna as an example of why I got leaked. And then he mentioned, and he didn't mince words, how unfortunate it was for the adults in the room to be acting this way. It's the first player we've heard actually express himself this way. Yeah. A couple things stood out to me, Herc. We left a little bit on the table. Yeah. Interesting. Remember, we had all those discussions after the World Cup. Like, how do we qualify this World Cup? And especially after the Netherlands game, especially with Casey Keller, I remember getting the sense that everybody was kind of sitting on the fence. It was like you got out of the group, round of 16 is enough, and yet there could have been more in this World Cup. And so to hear it from the players, uh, I think is interesting as well. The other thing that he said in that, which we heard echoed from many other guys that we talked to and who were talking on the podium at MLS Media Day, was this idea that the Gio Reyna controversy is overshadowing what they did. And we heard the exact word overshadow. We had DeAndre Yedlin stop by. You're going to hear that interview over the coming weeks. I also heard it from Kellen Acosta, I believe, on the podium at MLS Media Day. So it's clear that the players are very frustrated by this scandal, not just for what it meant during the World Cup, Herc, but for what it's meaning now after the World Cup, taking away the shine from what they think they accomplished. As a footballer, you want to remember for what you did on the field, for what you accomplished as a team, not for the scandals off of it. And, and listen, Richard Jefferson, ex-NBA player, he's here in L.A., actually asked me about this, actually asked me about this drama. And we got the talking, ex-player to ex-player. Mm -hmm. We were both of the same idea. Every team has drama, crazy amount of drama that you will never hear. And that is the point for it not to get out. Because when it does, things like this get out. Yes, this is bad. But there are so many things in so many different locker rooms that happen that are on par, if not worse. And I really mean that. The thing is, it got out. So players don't like that. They want to be remembered for what happens on the field. So we didn't just talk with Christian Roldan about the national team. We talked a lot about the Seattle Sounders and the Club World Cup, of course, Herc, which is coming up as well. So, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> getting choked up here on... On this edition Can of I Sounders mention something TV. really quick about, mm -hmm. we, we spoke Major League Soccer, Christian Roldan, uh, pretty soon you see he inked the deal. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, and, and you were there for that. I, mm -hmm. I honestly thought he could have gotten a DP deal with mm -hmm. Seattle, um, because Seattle values him that much. <clears throat> Do you remember what he said to us? Yes, very humble, very humble. He doesn't want to be a DP. I said, what do you mean you don't want to be DP, you don't want more money? He understands that him being a DP would take away from an actual DP spot and that it would make Seattle have less money to go out and win, to get quality players to bring him. He wants to win. I, I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Usually footballers don't think like that, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing that. All right, so Christian Roldan, we'll hear from him down the road here on Football Americas. We also talked to a couple other national teamers on Tuesday, DeAndre Yedlin, Jesus Ferreira, so look out for those. Interview. Speaking of the national team, Christian Pulisic, the news here, Herc, is going from bad to worse. Chelsea manager Graham Potter confirming Wednesday that Pulisic is expected to miss the next two months with a knee injury. Potter saying, quote, hopefully less, but that's the time frame. Pulisic was, of course, injured last week against Manchester City. We're looking at, at best case scenario, Herc, a mid-March return. What do you think is left for Christian Pulisic this season? 
Oh, man. Well, we were hoping for a... He was hoping for a transfer. I shouldn't say we. Yep. He was hoping for a transfer. Um, there are instances where players have been transferred and the team knows that said player's on the mend. They're thinking about the future, right? There are a few instances. But when you look at the amount of injured players, and I'm going through here, you've got Kantu's injured, Mason Mount, Ben Chilwell, Loftus-Cheek, you've got Fofana, you've got uh, Broja, you've got Raheem Sterling. Add Pulisic to that list. In what world is somebody going to take an injured player one and then the team, like Chelsea, be okay with losing another player with so many injured players? It, it, I know that we've been reading and hearing Two months, mm -hmm. two months, two months. This is a type of injury that it's pretty much on you managing the sensation, managing the pain. I don't feel necessarily it will be a two-month thing. It's about a person type of thing, a player type of thing. Mm. We hope he's back sooner than that because the timing of this is terrible. Yep. And yep. if this really dictates or stops, pumps the brakes on a potential transfer... That's going to be disheartening, not just for fans, but for Christian Pulisic, who desperately needs this transfer. Yeah, ESPN reporting that sources have told them that Pulisic very much eyeing a move this January. That's in the reporting from, from James Ollie on our website right now. It is terrible timing. I mean, mid-March, best case scenario if, if two months. They just signed Joao Felix. I know he got tossed today, but still... I know there's a lot of guys injured, but at Chelsea, there are always options. And if any of these guys that you see on there gets hot, they're going to be locked in under Graham Potter. So by the time he gets back, Herc, is there any chance he could, he could make an impact? Is there any need for him to risk further health? I think that's also the thing we have to say here, right? Now we're looking at the summer. If we're still focused on a transfer for Christian Pulisic, forget about January. It's not going to happen in January. Right. There's still the summer window. He's got to be fully healthy for that summer window. I don't know that I want him rushing back in mid-March for a couple games at a club that doesn't really seem to value him or want him anymore and that he clearly wants out of. Yeah, it's difficult because as a, as a footballer, when you most wanted to protect yourself is when you left yourself mm. exposed and vulnerable and, mm. and things happened, right? You can't look at it with that mentality. You have to look at it. I need to get it back on the field as soon as possible. He also... Needs to show teams, showcase himself, show teams that he's good to go in case of a summer transfer window. So there is sort of a timetable for him, an expectation for him to show, uh, to sell himself, if you will. Uh, this isn't the Christian Pulisic where you're banking on just the future that you take a, a chance on. I'm not saying Chelsea took a chance on him. You don't just hand the number 10 jersey and spend 70 right. plus million dollars on a transfer fee if you're going to take a chance on a player. But there are so many doubts right now with Christian Pulisic. The narrative has... I don't even want to say shifted. It's been his health. It's been his inconsistency. Consistency, excuse me. His inability to stay on the field. He needs to prove that. So if you can use March, April, May, June, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, yep. to prove that you need to. You get hurt there. Forget the summer window. <clears throat> you play well there. Your options improve in the summer window. So risk reward, I guess, for Christian Pulisic in terms of what happens towards the end of the season. But I tell you what. If he does come back and he doesn't play well, we're not talking about a move to another big club, right? Which I think maybe if there'd have been a loan in January, we might have still held out hope for. I think we're at that point, if there's anybody that's going to come in for him, it's going to be somebody to drop down. And, and that's, you know, we always talk about the injuries with Christian Pulisic, but the timing of this one, outside of maybe one or two during qualifying, Feels like about as bad a timing as you could have. I mean, Chelsea's a mid-table team right now, so how much of a drop-down we talking? Ooh. Ooh. I just gave you their standing. I don't know why you're oohing about. Tenth place right now, Chelsea. Let's run it back, Herc. U.S. Men's National Team Edition. Chelsea Edition. Actually, Fulham Edition, really. Anthony Robinson and Tim Ream playing the full 90 as Fulham upset Chelsea. Actually, didn't upset them. They're ahead of them in the table. 2-1 today. How about that? How, how big of a just beast is Anthony Robinson? I mean, this man's insane. He keeps getting better. Fulham right now, we mentioned it earlier, sixth place, four points outside of the Champions League. I don't even know what to say about Tim Ream. I, I got to apologize to the guy, I guess. No Christian Pulisic and a loss for Chelsea. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Spanish Super Cup. 
semifinals this week. Yesterday, Valencia and Yunus Musa taking on Real Madrid in Saudi Arabia. It was 1-1 in regulation, went to penalties, where Real Madrid won. Yunus Musa playing 95 minutes, subbed out in the fifth minute of extra time. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. With the first pick in the first round of the 2023 NWSL Draft, Angel City FC select Alyssa Thompson from Harvard Westlake High School. My heart's beating really fast. I'm really excited to be like being able to play with the best in the world. Kristen Puss and um, Cindy Larue are players that I've looked up to um, throughout my career. So it's honestly a dream come true that I get to be able to play with them. The NWSL Draft going down tonight, Herc, and with the first overall pick, I've always wanted to do that, Angel City FC drafting Alyssa Thompson, going straight from high school to the pros. She, of course, debuted with the national team in October against England. She was just 17, 18 now. Vladko Anonofsky back then saying she, quote, handled it very well. What did it take for Angel City to get the number one pick? A lot. They had to trade two picks plus 200000 Dollars in allocation money to Portland for Yasmin Ryan. Then they traded Ryan to Gotham for 250000 in allocation money. And the top pick finally ending up with Angel City. That's how bad Angel City FC wanted Alyssa Thompson, who in the power play of all power plays, Hercules Gomez, joins us from her own draft party. Where is the party at, Alyssa? <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, my party's in Nike LA headquarters. Oh, just Ooh. Nike LA. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> big time, big time. All right, so congratulations on a great day. You're the number one pick in the NWSL draft. How are you feeling? What are you feeling right now, Alyssa? Um, I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed with different emotions, but overall super happy and excited that I got to be here with my family and friends. Um, it's super cool that I get to be mentioned with all the first draft picks. They're such amazing players now and really trailblazers for what's to come in the NWSL. So I'm super happy. All right. So we were mentioning there kind of what it took for Angel City FC to get the number one pick and, and go ahead and draft you first overall. It was a four team trade. So I'm sure today was crazy. But what about the last week? Because it wasn't really a well-kept secret, right? I think LA Times were the first to report it. But as you see all the news reports coming out and the teams kind of jockeying for position to draft you, what was that experience like? Um, it was it was really cool, actually. But honestly, I was kind of focused on school. I had a lot of other distractions that were <laughs> keeping me busy. But um, I think it was really cool, honestly, and that people think so highly of me is um, really just an amazing feeling, honestly. Alyssa, uh, I'm sure you must have, have had other options, Europe, uh, other teams, maybe Champions League teams. Why did you choose NWSL Angel City? Um, just what they're doing, NWSL is really stepping up and trying to um, get a better soccer league for the U.S. So I think they're doing really well. And um, just being able to play with the best players in the world, I think, is something that will make me better as a player um, and continue to develop my skills. Did you have offers from elsewhere, abroad, maybe other teams in Europe? Um, 
I, there were a lot of talks from different clubs and teams, and I was honestly considering um, college. So it, it was all one big decision that I ultimately came down to at the NWSL. Okay, and ultimately, I just want to know, you've been to an Angel City game. I'm sure you have. It's one of the hottest tickets here in LA. What's that like? It was honestly amazing stepping into the stadium and just seeing all the fans. It's nothing. It's something that I've never experienced before at a women's soccer game. So I was honestly shocked and just like happy for how far the women's game has come and how I just was amazed, honestly. Alyssa, you told us the draft party then is going down at the Nike headquarters in L.A. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you made some history. One of the first high school athletes to sign an NIL deal with Nike. Uh, that was a pretty big deal. And it wasn't just you. It was it was your sister, right? And I, I think there's a younger sister, Zoe, as well. How many how many Thompson <laughs> sisters are there and, and, and how good are y'all? Um, I have two younger sisters and my both of them are really good. I think I hope they continue to develop and grow as um, players and people, too. And I I hope the best for them and I want them to um, just be the best players they can be. And I hope one day maybe they'll be better than me. Maybe not. I don't know. This is crazy to me, Seb, but Alyssa's already played with the full national team. And not only has she debuted with the full national team, the U.S. Women's National Team, but she did it at Wembley versus England, one of the best teams in the world. I have to know. What do you remember about that game? What stood out to you? Um, definitely walking, like, clapping my hands with Megan Rapino and then jogging onto the field. I kind of, like, zoned out a little bit and blocked all the crowd out, and I couldn't really see them. And then I just tried to lock in and play my game. Um, but, yeah, it was a crazy experience that I've... It's something that I've never experienced before, so it was honestly really cool. Alyssa, beyond that game, what about the camp as a whole? What was your biggest takeaway from that experience being around the senior U.S. women's national team as a teenager? Yeah, I think it really showed me what the pro environment was and really um, just made me feel more comfortable in it. Uh, I, a lot of the players like Sofia Huerta, um, Ashley Sanchez, they made me feel so comfortable in this environment so I would be able to flourish. Um, also, just being able to play with them in just a couple of weeks that I was with them, I feel like I've gotten better because they're the best in the world. So um, that also just helped a lot. Okay, Alyssa, you've gotten a taste of the senior game. There is a uh, pretty big tournament this summer. Mm -hmm. What do you think your chances are of making that World Cup team? I mean, I it's always been a goal for me to make the World Cup team. And I think that um, I will try my hardest. I will work the hardest that I can to get on that team. And if they give me a chance, I will not disappoint. But I'm just working really hard and continuing to grow as a player. And I think I'm ready. All right, there she is, Alyssa Thompson, the number one pick in the NWSL draft. Good luck this year with Angel City FC. Great to have you with us on Football Americas. Thanks for the time, Alyssa. Thank you so much. Thanks, Alyssa. Alyssa joining some pretty elite company. Sophia Smith up there on recent number one picks. Crystal Dunn was the number one pick. So was Rose Lavelle. Also, for those interested in the Mexican women's national team, Reina Reyes of Alabama, who's a Mexican international center back that can score some goals, was taken fifth overall by the Portland Thorns in tonight's NWSL draft. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the First Real Life Store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. 
Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. To Liga Mekis, Hercules. Last game of Jornada 1 in Liga Mekis was on Monday. Pachuca against Puebla, the Hercules Gomez Bowl, or one of many. Luis Chavez, we've seen that before. Ah, uh, yeah, I was a little on Silva, but look at Kevin Alvarez. Give him the business. <clears throat> and then, I don't know, you think this is a handball, Seb? No, because I picked Nico Ibanez as my golden boot, and I want the goal to count. Okay, well, <laughs> I pay. Eduardo Arce as my first coach fired, and he uh, proved me right in this one. Penalty yep. kick, they get one right here, but it was pretty much uh, all Pachuca in this one. Martin Barragan there from the penalty spot, making it 2-1. to one. We go into the second half. Penalty for Pachuca. Oh, no. Ibanez stopped. There goes your golden boot. There goes your golden boot, he says. But wait, there's more. 62nd minute, La Chofis. Yes. La who? Like, where is this guy? Where's he been? Oh, yeah, he did that in San Jose, too. Aviles Hurtado, nice little ball, and then a nice little finish. Cristian Alvarez gets his as well. Kevin Alvarez there in the 65th. Ibanez on 71. Okay, it's a brace. I'm just saying, her Kevin. Pretty good start Kevin. for my pick. Kevin, sorry. Did I say Christian? We know what you meant. 5-1 the final score there. Speaking of Pachuca, manager Guillermo Almada has been linked quite a bit with the L3 job, now vacant with Tata Martino on the outs. Ruben Rodriguez of Fox Sports in Mexico is reporting that there's a sector of owners, however, that don't support the idea of Almada getting the job. Guillermo Almada has been in Mexico since 2019 when he was with Santos and, of course, lifted the title with Pachuca last year. Herc, tell us what's going on here. Give us the perspective. Why don't some owners want Guillermo Almada? Well, people are asking why do the owners matter because the owners have a vote in who the actual manager is. So if you own a Liga Mekis team, you have a mm-hmm. vote on how the full manage- or full uh, national team is ran, and that mm-hmm. includes the head coach. Now, you have to realize for the majority of their existence, uh, two TV networks have run Liga Mekis. It's Televisa and TV Azteca. More importantly, there's Televisa. And in comes Grupo Pachuca, Los Martinez, the owners, the Martinez family, and they break away from that duopoly, if you will. They do things a, dip, a bit different. They're, they're not the status quo. So with them comes change. Now, the train of thought here by many is if you go for Almada, in them they have an ally that is Los Martinez and that it will create change, at least in my eyes. I think that's the, the big factor here because it's not anything you see on the field. He's mm-hmm. clearly a, a very capable manager and within the limited pool of managers, managers that is Liga Mekis, at least Liga Mekis, and maybe abroad, he seems like one of the obvious choices. I hate to hear, but I'm not surprised to hear, Herc, that politics could potentially influence who ends up as the national team manager of Mexico. If anything, and I know you, you actually worked for them, so you have the perspective of Pachuca Group, isn't this the group that Mexican soccer should be listening to. Yeah. I mean, they're the best at exporting, and they just bought a club in Spain, so they have an international vision. Why are vision. they the best at exporting, Seb? What did Hector mm-hmm. Herrera tell us? And we don't want to give away the interview, but mm-hmm. the prices are accessible. Yes. So w- when Mexico has this very inflated internal market, Pachuca yet again breaks away from the status quo, and they have their own market where they make prices accessible for European suitors. So you've had players like Hector Herrera leave. You've had mm-hmm. players like Eric Gutierrez leave. Uh, you've had players like Chucky Lozano leave. Uh, this is a team, this is an organization, because they also have Leon, who does things the right way. I think that scares the majority of Liga MX owners. Okay, but just to be clear, you don't think that Almada doesn't have support because he's foreign. Oh, that, that, right? could, be a, that could be something as well. Now, with the general public, but as far as ownerships, mm-hmm. owners are more interested about making money. Right. That's, that's the bottom dollar for them, is, is how can they get paid? And if you go down the Grupo Pachuca route, you are sacrificing financially for the better good, the sporting. 
Yeah, plus the last two Mexican national team managers, as chosen by the aforementioned owners, not from Mexico, right? Tata Martino, Argentina, Juan Carlos Osorio of Colombia. Speaking of national team managers and who might take over the Mexico job, it was one of the many things we discussed on Tuesday with Javier Chicharito Hernandez. This again from MLS Media Day in San Jose. In the Germany 206 World Cup, we all felt that we were very close to qualify, right? Then Maxi Rodriguez yeah. did an um, unbelievable goal. We went, went, we, went, we, went, we went down, right? And the manager was? Ricardo Lavolpe. We felt that we were close. We felt that it was great and it was an international one. Then we go to Brazil 2014 with Miguel Herrera. Same school of sport-wise, but he was a Mexican. And we felt as well that we were so close. So about nationality or not, I think it's a very good press about it. Of course, I would love to be more Mexicans than international. Of course, because I'm Mexican, because there's a lot of talent and we need to give chances to young or old people from Mexico. But as well, I had, a, I had amazing uh, World Cups with, with, for example, with, with Juan Carlos Osorio. He was a great manager. We were close to, well, we, against Brazil, we lost to zero, but we were there the 60, 70 minutes. So if we just find the narrative about nationality, I think we're wrong. Because what we need to is, like, we, be, we have a lot of, like, as well, how do you say naturalizados in English? Like, yeah, uh, not, yeah, players that they were amazing and others that they weren't that good. So it's not about that. It's about the balance and the context about it. So we still managing narratives about one thing, it needs to be uh, blonde, it needs to be uh, Mexican, it needs to be Argentina. It's not about that. It's about what it makes sense all overall, you know, I think. All right, Herc, that's what Mexico needs, a blonde manager, a blonde manager. They've had it. <laughs> blonde, great. Yes. Erickson. Ben Gorn Erickson. Yeah, yeah sure. Maybe, maybe Barra. No, Barra wasn't blonde. Uh, he's right, though. I mean, he, he gave us clear examples of you had a foreign manager, you got to where you thought you could do it, didn't do it. You had a Mexican manager, you thought you can get there, didn't do it. It really doesn't matter where you're from. Where you're from, excuse me. Um, in the past, the results have been the same, so it shouldn't really matter what nationality you are in the future, as long as you're of capacity. If you could help them get there. Okay, Herc. Remember when we were in Qatar? I we do. did the exercise on who would be the next U.S. men's national team manager. We treated it like applying to colleges. You had your reach schools, your safety schools, and your, your possible You had to explain schools. this to me. Yeah, I know, I know. You went straight to the pros. I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So why don't we do that here with the Mexican national team? <laughs> okay. Okay? Why don't you start us off okay. with your dream reach candidate for the Mexican national team job? My dream reach candidate is Luis Enrique. Now... I know what you're thinking. Wait a second. Luis Enrique, can you really get him? Uh, maybe not. That's why he's a dream. Now, maybe not because he's also being courted. There are reports that Brazil is looking at Luis Enrique. Now, why is Luis Enrique not only just a dream, but maybe like a, a good fit? Look at the style of the player pool for the Mexican uh, player pool for the Mexican national team. Ligeros, okay, they're small. Uh, they're very technical. They're dynamic. They're possession-based. This man is a possession-based coach. Mm. If you could think of one dream manager, just makes sense. Name, notoriety, uh, style, uh, uh, just, just would inspire the players. It's Luis Enrique for me. And I just think it makes sense with the player pool, but you're never going to get him because you're going to compete with some of the biggest, yeah. not only national teams, but teams in the world for him. Looks like the latest reports are that he's very close to that Brazil job. So as you mentioned there, Maybe not realistic, but that's, that's the point of the reach manager here, right? All right. Who you you did see during the World Cup, he fought a lot with the Spanish media. I wonder how he would get along oh, with the... Uh, I, I dream of that Twitch channel if he was here <laughs> with the Mexican media. With the, uh, how would he get along with the Mexican media? The one thing I would say here, Herc, is his ideas, at least with Spain, seemed a little bit stale, didn't function that well, and it's a football, it's a tiki-taka football, that we don't see working at the international stage. No, so but while do you it may see the fit player Mexico's pool? player pool, okay. pool, I don't know that it works at the international stage. Basically, based off what we saw at the World Cup, you want us, you want Mexico to play like Spain at the last World Cup? You want Bra okay? So Brazil's wrong for going after Luis Enrique. I got it. I see where your narrative is. Okay, I see what this. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I got it. Who you got? Who you got? Who you pick? I'm going totally the opposite direction. I fell in love, Herc, with what Morocco did at the World Cup. Solid defense, pragmatic approach. So I'm going, Herc, with the ultimate pragmatist. 
Diego Simeone of Atletico Madrid. That's right. Give me a pragmatic approach. That Hercules Gomez is what gets you through at the World Cup. Morocco showed us, if you're not a blue blood of international soccer, you gotta do it a different way. Mexico needs to humble themselves and learn to do it a different way. And if you bring in Diego Simeone, you better believe, Herc, you're gonna be doing it a different way. The other point about Mexico and the pursuit of a big name coach is you need somebody, Herc, what's the point here? To trascender, to take Mexico where they've never been before. Diego Simeone did that at Atletico Madrid. He made them runners-up in the Champions League. He made them La Liga titles. He enjoyed successes at Atleti that had never happened before and may never happen again. He is literally a guy who knows how to trascender. He knows how to take your team from one level to the other. I think Diego Simeone would be an incredible option for the Mexican national team and... There's rumors that he could be out of work this summer. Just oh, in time I don't doubt for the it. Gold Cup. Let's go, baby. Bring me El Cholo. Uh, <laughs> can I ask you a question? You can ask me many. How defensive is the Mexican player in attributes? Can they be coached? Okay. Are you saying the Mexican player cannot be coached? Can I ask you another question? Can I ask you another question? What was your, Sebastian Salazar's, biggest criticism of the way Mexico played against Argentina in the World Cup? that they played too defensive after having never played that way before, okay? If you bring Diego Simeone in, we know what they're gonna do. They're gonna set up in that way, they're gonna practice it, and if they ever have to break it out in a World Cup, it might actually work, unlike Tata Martino and his wild, wild strategies against Argentina. That, wild strategy, wild idea, I don't want Cholo Simeone anywhere near this Mexican ah, national boo. team. But that's maybe why it's your dream, your reach. So I, I will concede that we're all entitled okay. to dream. All right, let's bring it back from the dream world to reality, to the realm of the possible, Herc. Yeah. Who is your possible choice for Mexican national team manager? Now listen to when I say possible. Julian Lopetegui. I know Lopetegui's with Wolves right now, so what do you mean possible? Listen, he can be out of a job with Wolves at any time. Have you seen Wolves play, okay? <laughs> Talk oh, about a so, player. So this is the guy you want to bring in? The Talk. guy who's, whose team isn't playing well? Great. Hold on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This is a manager that's gotten a lot out of certain teams he's been on. Who has experience with prime Mexican players. Who plays a style that I think is conducive for the Mexican national team. With fast, dynamic, 1v1. Look at the Mexican players he's had at his disposal. Hector Herrera. Diego Reyes, the Tecatito Corona twice. He has Raul Jimenez right now. He's familiar with the Mexican player. It's a nice little fit. And I will go back. He could actually, within the next year, be free. I don't, I'm not saying he will do bad. They'll get relegated. He'll get fired. But there is a possibility that this could be a possibility. Uh -huh. It's a big enough name to get people excited and a, a coach that knows the Mexican player. How was his relationship with the Spanish Federation? Remind me again what happened at the World Cup in 2018. What, he's not going to go play for Chivas if that's what you're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to go coach Chivas if that's what you're trying to talk about? This is the Mexican Federation, not the Spanish Federation. I don't understand what Real Madrid or the Spanish... Yeah, what's going on here? Necessary Look slander to Chivas. Chivas catching strays in this yeah. segment. Wait, people don't, how to go for Yedro, Real Madrid? Yedro was who, who overtook him at the, with the Spanish national team in Russia after he left because he accepted their job at Real Madrid and... The Spanish Federation got very upset. Um, okay. I apologize to producer Beto for Chivas catching a stray. <laughs> so you went with a former La Liga manager now in the Premier League for your possible manager choice for Mexico. And I'm going to do the same, but a different name. Unai Emery, who now Ooh, finds nah, himself nah. at Aston Villa making big money. So it might be tough to get this guy. But we know he has had success, Herc, and specifically he has had success in tournaments and with different teams, right? He won the Europa League with Sevilla. He won it again with Villarreal. So we know he can win tournaments and he doesn't need just one group of guys. He can do it with multiple groups of guys. Very impressive to me about Unai Emery. The other thing that in his resume stands out, he can deal with the pressure because he's dealt with it before. This is a guy that has had huge jobs. PSG, Arsenal. I love Unai Emery as a possible, not quite reach, 
not quite safety choice for the Mexican national team, Herc. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, no, I love what he did with Villarreal. You just, I don't know how possible it will be. You mentioned the salary. You mentioned the Premier League. It's going to take a lot to entice a manager with that type of wallet, that type of uh, cachet to come to the Mexican national team. But impossible? Hey, who am I to say? Exactly, exactly. Plus, I'm sure Lopetegui's not on, you know, a bottom line salary there in the Premier League. He's oh, making money too, so yeah, you're gonna have he to. Could be hey, out of look, the job. you want to you want to get a good candidate? You got to fork over some cash. Okay. All okay. right, FMF. All right. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. All right. Let's get to the safety schools. Let's get let's get to the the, the folks we really really truly believe. No matter what, if we offer them the job, they're gonna take it. Herc, who you going with? The man of the hour. The man of the moment. Guillermo Almada. Uh, can I tell you why I'm taking Go on. this manager? So if you don't have the player pool, you better damn well have the system. And this man's got the system down. Not only did he make his system at Santos, a team that uses a lot of young Mexican players, did he make it work there? He got to the final there. He's made it work with Pachuca. So now multiple teams that rely heavily on a Mexican presence, young Mexican presence, He's implemented his system, which is high-press, dynamic, suffocating. It doesn't rely on big names or players. It's the system. You don't have the pool, you better have the system. He has the system. He has the experience with the young Mexican player. This is who you need to go for. It's not only the safe pick, it's the smart pick. Mm. Do you think he'd be that interested? Because I have seen some comments from him about the Uruguayan national team job. It seems like he really has his eyes on that, potentially. A la Juan Carlos Osorio, mm -hmm. a la Matias Almeida, a la any other foreign coach. It's their national team, and then it's the Mexican national right. team, and you know this. But yes, I think he's interested. Okay. I'm going to give you my safety choice for Mexico's next manager. And out of the what? Five choices we've heard so far. We have not had a single Mexican candidate. So let me change that right now. Ooh. I'm going with the manager of TSG, as you like to call them. Ignacio Ambriz. Nacho Ambriz. One of my favorite players to watch growing up. And everywhere he's been in Mexico, he's won. Right? Won a CONCACAF Champions League with America. Won the league with Leon. Even won a cup with Necaxa. Nekaxa hadn't won anything since the 90s before he got there. Didn't go well for him in Spain, but he has the experience of having been abroad. Was with Huesca. Lasted, what, about 13 games. So it didn't go great, but you live and you learn. And on just Monday's show, Herc, you were saying that Toluca is a, quote, very well-coached team. So I know you love Nacho Ambriz. Yeah. Tell me why I'm wrong. With very good foreign players. Huge foreign players. Arguably better players in their positions throughout the league. Um, he's not a bad choice. You want a coach, if it's a safe pick, that knows Liga Amekis. He knows Liga Amekis very well. You want a coach that could be somewhat respected in the international game with the players you have playing abroad. Well, he does have that cartel. He's got that curriculum, right? That resume. He's been an assistant with Javier Aguirre at Atletico. He's coached in Europe. He's had a national team career, so he's going to be well-respected. He's just not the guy that commands mm. that respect from, I think, the overall ambiance, the complete okay. package. And, and that's, that's my worry here is that you're settling. It's, not okay. like a, it's, just, it's a settle pick, and that's, that's, that's not what I want Mexico to go for. Okay. Speaking of commanding respect, I was watching Football Picante earlier, oh, wow. and our good friend uh, Paco Gabriel de Anda was speaking, and he had an interesting idea. He said, don't rule out Rafa Marquez. Don't rule out Rafa Marquez for this job. He would certainly command respect, Herc, wouldn't he? So, Rafa Marquez is in, and by the way, uh, Jaime Lozano, pick up your phone. I hit you up. I need to get you on the show. Rafa Marquez is of the same cloth as Jaime Lozano, a Jimmy Lozano. This is for the future. One of those two, if not both, should be the assistant coaches okay. for whoever's the Mexican national team coach. 2026, you need people who have been around the young Mexican player. 
but you also need to not only prepare for the future 2026 in the player pool, but in the coaching pool. They're not ready right now. They're not Jaime Lozano has not shown us he's ready right now for a first division team, honestly. Rafa Marquez hasn't shown us Wouldn't that Wouldn't you have either. said the same about Scaloni with Argentina? Sure. You know what? That's perfect. Does Messi have a Mexican passport? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Okay. That's what I'm saying, though, Seth. Like, I understand what you're saying. You got to give the youth a chance, but... You also got to earn it, right? Like, Jimmy Lozano, U23 tournament that is the Olympics, Rafa Marquez with, with Barça B. Like, at some point, they got to earn the right to be the U.S. Me- or, sorry, U.S. men, the Mexican national team head coach. They got to earn that right. Um, they've not earned it yet. You know who else threw his hat in the ring? Who? If the politics doesn't work out. Who? Or ends. Who? Guatemoc Blanco. You'd like to see him there oh, in I the technical were, area? I thought you were going to go Miguel Herrera. I really no, he always throws his hat in the ring. We, t- we said that on Monday's show. That, that's a given. Um, you see, Quau throw his... He, kinda, he half threw his hat in the ring. Man, I think Quau's going to have bigger fish to fry than, okay. than soccer. All right. So uh, lots of interesting candidates there for who will be the next manager for L3. Let's run it back with some Mexican internationals. Herc Raul Jimenez scored. This is not a typo for Wolves against Nottingham Forest in the League Cup quarterfinal. Yeah, I've been hearing I've been hearing and reading a lot of criticism about like, oh, it was just a tapping. Hopefully he scores 15 to 20 more of these. Who cares what it is? Goals are goals. He needs this desperately for his confidence. So this game actually ended up 1-1. They went to penalties. Nottingham forced one, four to three in penalties, and Raul didn't take one. That's what he's good at. Come on. Oh. Dutch Cup. Eric Gutierrez with the assist in PSV's 2-1 win over Sparta Rotterdam. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's Eric Gutierrez that's the enigma or his coaches that are the enigma, but he's not gotten an opportunity with the national team. With two right. coaches. Better with club than the national team for sure, at least of late. Talked about the Spanish Super Cup earlier. Andres Guardado, he was sent off for Real Betis against Barcelona today in the other semifinal. Yeah, first red card like in 16 years. I thought this was kind of harsh. Second yellow, he'd only been on the field for like 30-something minutes. Like, I thought this was harsh, honestly. The way this was going, the referee wasn't really being consistent. Ah, ah, This is a tough one. Game ends 2-2. Barcelona wins on penalties. 4-2, which sets up, ah, the dream. El Clásico, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Sunday on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and live right here on ESPN+. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time for our parting shot, Herc. Jonathan Bornstein, yes, one of your many former teammates on the national team, has signed in Honduras with Vida de la Ceiba. Now, Jonathan's getting up this in up there in years, Herc. We'll just say late 30s. Pretty cool story, though. Fans will remember he became a Honduran hero back in 2009 when he scored late against Costa Rica, qualifying Honduras for the 2010 World Cup. And look at this. What is it, 13, 14 years later? 13, It's 14. still paying off for this guy. This was the original Graham Susie. Yes. So Graham Susie to Mexico, Johnny Bornstein to Honduras. To now see him go back to Honduras is amazing. Johnny Bornstein's got a great story. Look him up. I'm going to try to get him on the show sometime. He's one of the all-time great guys. But he was like the Aaron Long, Christian Roldan, that type mm. of player for the U.S. men's national team back then. 
when social media was just the starting. lightning rod, you're the saying. The lightning rod, if you yes. will. But one of the greatest guys you will meet plays in Mexico, by the way. Goes to Tigres, ends up at Atlante and Querétaro. Just different types of teams. To Chicago, amazing story. Uh, but continues to play. This is great to see. Like, It's a story that's going to have another twist or turn to it, no yep. doubt. Great career. And I like that you said he was a lightning rod, but he was a guy who also very often, no matter what people were saying, found his way into starting lineups. Always. Always. Always found a way in a starting line and to stay in a starting line, which is key. Big time respect for Jonathan Bornstein. Good luck down there in Honduras. Big show coming up for you on Monday. We're going to talk to Jaden Shaw. She is U.S. Soccer's Young Female Player of the Year, of course, coming off a great rookie season with San Diego in the National Women's Soccer League. We will also be hearing from Ache Hector Herrera of the Mexican national team and Houston Dynamo, who we spoke with in San Jose at MLS Media Day. That's it for this edition of the show. For Hercules Gomez, I'm Sebi Salazar. Thanks for watching, and go ahead and download the podcast, Football Americas, available for you twice a week, right here on ESPN+. Plus.